Well, hey, welcome to First Church. We're glad everyone of you are with us today, especially if this is your first time with us. And if you are joining us online, we're glad you're part of our online community. If you're in the house with me right now, would you welcome all of our online community with us right now? <laughs> Woo! Glad you're here, all right? Hey, uh, today, as you've already heard, uh, this is our what we call our Outreach Sunday, where we uh, uh, take a moment to celebrate really what God has been doing through our global partners, as well as uh, just raise an awareness uh, of what God has been doing. And sometimes uh, people don't realize just how many uh, global partners we have out there, missionaries that we have out in the field that are serving, that, that uh, we support and that we come alongside of. And so uh, this gives us an opportunity to do that and uh, opportunity to celebrate that and tell some of the stories. And uh, so this is a good Sunday to be with us today. We're glad that you're here. And so uh, we figured probably the, one of the best ways that we can uh, celebrate what God's doing and hear about what God's been doing is actually have one of our partners uh, come up and share with you. And so we've invited uh, Rod Pennington to come with us and join with us today. So I'm going to ask Rod to come up on stage. If you're here, welcome him to the stage with us. And uh, we're going to have a little time of uh, interview and just find out a little bit more about Rod. Now, Rod is a, uh, uh, he's one of our homegrown, all right, <laughs> and uh, graduated in 97. Oh, I know, yeah. I know. I, was, I got razzed. <laughs> I said the wrong year in the last service. So don't ask me years. Don't ask me my children's you're, birth dates. You're I getting get old, dude. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so it's good to have you and your whole family here with us. So um, I know many people know your family uh, because you a uh, long time part of a Wasso community and your yeah. wife Amanda, maiden name McCullough. So if you know Sam and Denise, uh, many of you know them. And so... Uh, uh, why don't you give us a family update? Yeah, my wife and my children are over here. If you guys want to stand up and say hi. This is the family. That's the kiddos. we got four kids. Uh, we're, doing, we're doing well, all things considering, um, with the COVID situation out in Colorado where we live right now, um, as well as the, the, the years and seeing my daughter and what she's done with Turner Syndrome and how she's overcome um, so many obstacles in her life and the support that we've, we've been given. Um, we're fortunate. We're blessed. God is, God is good, um, too good in some ways to us, so we're just grateful. Good. Well, you do have a lovely family. It's, it's uh, cool to see how they've grown up looking good. So um, so let's talk about your ministry that you're a part of, OMF, which stands for? Overseas Missionary Fellowship. Okay, so why don't you share with uh, the church here just what, what, do, uh, what do they do, what's that organization a part of, and what's your role there, what are yeah. you specifically doing there? Yeah, so um, OMF uh, has a long history dating well over 150 years. Uh, all the way back to a, a young British man named James Hudson Taylor, who, when he was young, he had this passion for the Chinese when he heard that they didn't have the gospel, um, grew up, struggled through, obviously, his Christian faith at times, and when he came around to it, he just really knew that he, his, his calling in life was to bring the gospel to China. So when he eventually went to China, he was sort of a revolutionary missionary because he wasn't the first to come to China, but he was one of the first to say, if we're going to go to a foreign country, we need to learn their language, dress like them, uh, eat like them, behave like them in many ways so that we can um, adapt to their culture. Back then, a lot of missions work was, hey, you want to know Christ, you come and be like us. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, no way, shaved his head, grew the ponytail. I mean, he went pretty radical uh, for that time period. And he was, he, a lot of, because it was what he was doing, he was persecuted by the church itself. Uh, they thought he kind of was insane in some ways. 
Uh, he went into the inlands of China. He started the, what was known at that time as the Chinese Inland Mission, uh, bringing the gospel to the Chinese people. And here we are uh, over 150 years later, known as uh, OMF, and bringing the gospel to Southeast Asia and the unreached peoples there. Cool. So, like, his tactics sound a lot like Paul. Yes, you know, very similar. Uh, may yeah. become he all things to all people. It. Yeah. So <laughs> He got yeah. it from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Biblical. Yeah. Imagine yeah. that. Anyway, um, so what's, what's your role uh, at OMF? What are you doing right now? Yeah, today um, we had been in Thailand for several years. We came back in 2013. Uh, today I serve in our mobilization efforts with the North American Church. I serve in the mobilization department as the vice president for mobilization. Uh, we do all types of outreach. We work with local churches in helping them build their missions program, care for their missionaries, send their missionaries. Uh, we're traveling a lot. Well, we were at one point traveling, speaking at conferences, doing conferences, teaching on college campuses, uh, all these all these things. Uh, though COVID, as we all are well aware of, has um, shut some of that uh, down a bit. But yeah, so doing mobilization for the next generation to go and reach the unreached peoples of East Asia. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like you mentioned, I know on a normal year, you're you're on those college campuses yeah. and you're out recruiting and, and everything. So, in, in let's in spite of everything that you're dealing with right now and being totally online and everything, what what do you see? Uh, what have you been seeing God doing uh, as far as your as you recruit, as you uh, yeah. raise up more missionaries? Yeah. Um, what is God doing in the midst of COVID? Uh, it's a question that's asked quite a lot. Um, my uh, awareness of God's interaction within uh, humanity and all of creation goes all the way back to youthquake. Um, the, the time that we, we did the stress day, you walk to the top of a mountain, a horrible hike to the top of a mountain. <laughs> and then, you're, yeah, Derek knows. You do know because you were there when this happened. Um, and I was out... Uh, they, if you make it to the top of the mountain, you go out, you sit on your own, and you just have this moment. And my moment was just an eye-opening experience of just lifting up my head and realizing uh, this isn't, there's just no way this is by chance. Uh, this just didn't happen. Um, and that there is something greater out there. And I gave my life to Christ uh, in that moment, came down, that guy over there baptized me. Um, it was just a life-changing experience. I have a, a friend who's up in, uh, up in Canada, and he's a songwriter. And one of his songs, one of the, the lines to his songs is, Sometimes I Forget to Look Up. And the song is about living life with your head down to the ground, going, just grinding away at life. And in that grind, you know, uh, it, it can be often a dark place because you just forget to take the moments in life to pause lift your head up and look around and see God and all the things around us in the sunrise and the sunset and the flowers in the spring and the new birth and humanity and the kindness that we see um, here and there and the opportunities that we get to engage and love others. And so I try, I'm not great at it, but I do try to live by that, to, to take those times. This is why I love being out in nature for one thing. Lifting my head up, looking around and realizing God never left us. And he never will leave us. He has us here for a purpose and a reason, and we need to engage in that. And if you just take that moment to pause and look around you, you'll see God and how he's interacting in the, breath, in the air that we have and everything. And it's a beautiful thing. And that extends, it extends globally when you're in 
you know, in my line of work, where I work now with seeing a new generation come and, and say, you know, basically, here I am, Lord, send me. And, and you're going, do you really understand what you're stepping out into? The, 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 the hardships about what you're about to do. You're leaving your, everything you've ever known to go somewhere where even the youngest child of the country are going to live in knows way more than you and can survive much easier than you. And that's going to be a process that's going to take years. Um, and they do it. And it's just, it's amazing. It's a miracle. Missionaries are still going. There's still a willingness to do it. God is moving in incredible ways throughout the world. Um, And we just need to raise our head up and look around and recognize it uh, more often than we we typically do. Yeah, you were, uh, you just mentioned that God's still raising up missionaries in in spite of all the craziness. Um, So this year, you had mentioned um, how many you've raised up this, or you've, you've been seeing going out or preparing to go out. Um, yeah. What What are those numbers? Uh, remind me what that. So when we when COVID hit, obviously there's this kind of a panic. Nobody knows what's going to happen. What's going to happen in the church? What's going to happen in sending workers? Workers are people going to become disengaged? Um, everything's going to become inward focus. Uh, the outward uh, global focus is going to lose off. It hasn't for us by God's grace. Um, it's been an interesting thing because even to this to to. To up to this point today, when we had thought, well, maybe we're not going to see a lot of people come around and say, I think God's leading me in this direction. It's been actually the opposite. We're working with over 300 people right now that are saying, I think this may be where God is leading me to full-time missions. <laughs> um, that's unbelievable. Now, will they all go? No, they won't all go. Uh, but the fact that we have that many people still saying, I believe God's calling me to potentially do this, and I'm going to walk with you and see where that goes. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. We, amen, right? Yeah, we currently have right now 50 people, new workers, in the process of doing their partnership development to raise their support that when the borders open, they'll be able to go again. Hmm. Part of it is like there's this hope that maybe in this moment God's raising up an army that when the borders open back up, because where we serve a lot of places, you still can't go that there's going to be this flood of new workers that are going to go and do an amazing work. So, yeah, God's good. Pretty awesome. So um, here in our American little local church, Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we get very focused, kind of like you're talking about, you know, we're head down and doing things here, especially in the midst of crisis. I think we we maybe even look more inward than outward. Um, what, What does the American church need to understand about missions and about outreach and the importance that that is a part of what we what we do that we continue to do yeah i i think in that midst of lifting our heads back up and seeing the beauty of god all around us and how god still is here and working is part of that is lifting our heads up to look into our history and understand our history the the reason we sit here today is because of a missions movement You can go all the way back to the book of Acts and you can read about the early church and the early church's drive to send missionaries, send new workers out into places where the gospel hasn't gone. And the ripple effects of that is the fact that we're here today. It's it's part of our history, but it's also part of our DNA as Christians. It's it's who we we are. Um, James Hudson Taylor, our founder, once said that the, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. And we are here because other faithful men and women 
said, this is the worthy message and I want you to hear it. Now they, they could have done it in, it comes in multiple forms, different ways. Many people have probably done it for us. Some good, others bad, but that's just part of it. But in some way, somebody shared the gospel with us and then the Holy Spirit did the Holy Spirit's work. It clicked, our eyes were opened. And now we know this incredible hope, like Tim was talking about, um, that there is a God and that God deeply cares about his creation, especially humanity. And he sent his son um, to take the death that we deserve, raise from the grave, take our sins, cleanse us so that we can have um, a new life in him. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we need to keep that in our, in our focus, don't we? Um, now you, you, uh, shared that, um, specifically one instance or one story about Thailand, um, yeah. and just kind of a movement of God that's happened there. Um, I want to share that just real quick, just yeah. something tangible, I think, tangible story. So through the history of missions work in East Asia, it would appear as you look into it, that God hasn't really been doing much. But there's a lot of new ground that's been needed to be pried up and uh, boulders needed to be removed. Um, many parts of the, the areas in where we serve are still less than 1% Christian, and so is, Thailand is, is, is as well. Yet, Thailand has had access to the gospel for over 100 years, and just recently we're starting to see an incredible new movement of the Holy Spirit. And you may have read, and I think it was Christianity last year, Christianity Today, in their September article about this movement of the Holy Spirit within Thailand where people are becoming baptized in numbers like have never been seen. Um, in this article, they had reported about over 1,500 people coming to be baptized at one, at one baptism yeah. uh, in one of the rivers there. And hundreds and hundreds of people are starting to be baptized by God's grace. There's an incredible movement happening. Still a lot of work to be done. But you're talking about 100 years plus of missionaries working within the country, very little fruit, and now all of a sudden, the Spirit's doing a mighty work because of faithful men and women who went long before, right. shared the gospel because they realized there's people out there that still do not know, and that's not right, mm -hmm. and they wanted to um, change that. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. praise a God. Of, a lot of people have been plowing the ground for many exactly. years. Yeah, amen. Uh, preparing. So, you know, and we've heard, we, we hear similar stories coming out of Iran. Yep. Um, people are shocked when they hear that, how God's moving there and yeah. and the word is uh, moving. So it's, it's pretty awesome. And, and other places like that. So yeah. uh, pretty awesome. Um, so as we wrap up here, um, just give you an opportunity. If, uh, if there was one more thing you just want to tell First Church home church, yeah. one thing, what would that be? Yeah, it's just, it's just thank you. Um, you know, like I was telling the first service, oftentimes in our lives, we, we, we plow away and we often don't see the fruit. Um, but first church, there's something unique that's happened here and there's a lot of fruit and it goes well, well beyond uh, the city limits of Owasso, it goes globally. Uh, without First Church, you know, God intervening and using First Church in my life and my wife's life and my family's life, we wouldn't be able to do what we've been blessed to be a part of for well over 20 years now. Um, 
you go out into the, the hallways and you see all these missionaries and their tables and the things that are, go, that are going on. This is First Churches. This is your interaction well beyond your own city limits. You're, you're, you're reaching out um, where the needs are. And just thank you for that. It's, you're, we were talking to the first service, that, that old song, Thank You for Giving to the Lord. Would you sing that for us? I don't ask, Tim, where's Tim? <laughs> don't ask me to sing it. But there's that old song where the, the, the individual passes on, goes to heaven, and all of a sudden, his whole life, he didn't really see much fruit. And all of a sudden, heaven, there's like this line of people coming and saying, thank you for giving to the Lord. Thank you for giving to the Lord. Beautiful song. Tim, you should sing it. It'd be good. <laughs> it's a beautiful song because, because this is what's happening here oftentimes when we, we don't see it. First church, there's going to be a, a massive line of people saying thank you. Thank you for giving to the Lord because I was a life that was changed. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking time to, to oh, share with us. And uh, would you appreciate Rod for, for coming and being a part of it? Thanks, buddy. Rod and his family have had a tremendous ministry, not only in Thailand, as he talked about, but uh, in Canada before then. And, and uh, now uh, I love that he's one who's raising up the next generation and pouring into them. And, and uh, uh, I know that he's uh, uh, going to continue to have a huge impact just in his own life, through his own family and, and uh, own ministry. So we appreciate them being able to share with us today. Um, so I want to talk, we want to talk a little bit more about this whole idea of the church and what our responsibility is in, in uh, the world and when it comes to global outreach and global missions. And, and again, just kind of raise that awareness of, of the impact that that First Church has been having. And uh, I think one of those, uh, one of the ways we can relate to that is, you know, Rod brought up Youthquake. And uh, I remember back whenever I was in high school, and yes, I went to Youthquake back whenever I was in high school and uh, had the opportunity to, to climb that. That same mountain that he was talking about uh, actually multiple times. But uh, one particular year, though, we, we uh, had the opportunity to go rappelling. Uh, instead of whitewater rafting, we normally have a day to go whitewater rafting. They said, hey, if, you, if you'd rather, you can do rappelling. So, hey, yeah, I sound, you know, jumping off the side of a cliff sounds awesome. Let's do it. And, uh, but I remember as uh, we were making our trek up the mountain, uh, to the top of the cliff, because this was a serious cliff. This was like a 100-plus foot cliff, and not like one of these little 20-foot trailers we pull onto the parking lot for our students to climb on. Uh, no, this was a real cliff, and I remember climbing to the top of it and, and getting to the top, looking over the edge and going, wow, uh, we're way up here. But I remember watching our guides as they were preparing for our climb. And, and they, of course, brought their rope and, and had lots of rope. And I remember watching them tie that rope around uh, multiple objects. Uh, one would go around a boulder, and then, then they would take it and wrap it around a tree, and then maybe another tree. And so each rope kind of had two or three elements that it was tied to. So if the boulder moved, the tree would catch. And if the tree fell, fell the next tree would catch. You know, So you had some redundancy in it. And I remember just watching that because... I was fixing to be dangling on that rope. <laughs> I wanted to make sure it was going to be good. And so uh, we watched, and they got it all prepped, and then it was time to take that first step over the edge. And if you've ever done that, you know that first time is a daunting time to, to back up off of a cliff and hope the rope holds, right? 
And so I did it that first time, of course, to the heckling of all my buddies who were there and, and everything. Made it to the bottom, didn't die. It was awesome. Uh, did it several more times and, and loved it and uh, realized more and more that there was security in the rope. And matter of fact, the last time I went down, I went Aussie style, if you know what that is. That's face first over the edge of the cliff, and that was, that was fun, and uh, made it to the bottom, survived again, uh, all because the rope was there. And if, you, if we can think about what it might be like for a missionary, one of our global partners who uh, steps off of that cliff for the first time, goes into another land, another culture for the first time, leaving behind family, leaving behind friends, leaving behind their church, and stepping off into an area for the very first time, that's a daunting step to take. And I think they want to know that they've got the rope to hold on to. It was William uh, Carey back in 1792, missionary uh, to India. Um, matter of fact, before in his time there in the 1700s, um, it was a time where the church had, many in the church, many leaders in the church said, you know what, the church doesn't have a responsibility in missions. That was something that the apostles did. We don't need to be about that. Well, William Carey, reading God's Word, said, no, 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 we have a responsibility. And so he took that step to go into India. Now, he had a friend by the name of Andrew Fuller uh, back here in, in the States and said, hey, um, I will go, but, but I need you to, to have my back. Matter of fact, his quote that he said is, I will go down into the pit if you will hold the ropes. And so William Carey, knowing that his friend Andrew Fuller was holding the ropes, took that step to go into India, to a very unreached area, and uh, took the gospel and had a tremendous impact. Matter of fact, the impact that he had then continues to resonate today uh, through various uh, missions organizations. Because he was willing to take the step because he knew that somebody was holding the rope. We as a church need to understand that as a local church, we have a responsibility to hold the rope. To hold the rope for our global partners who have stepped into the, the world to take the gospel, to go into places of darkness, to, to shine God's light into those places. That is our responsibility. The local church has a global responsibility to hold the rope. And so today we want to unpack that a little bit. What does it mean for us to hold the rope? What does that look like for the local church to hold the rope? I think we can look at the New Testament. We can see several examples of that early church and how they held the rope for, for those that they were sending out into the mission field. And, uh, and so we start off by understanding that the local church, we have a responsibility to, to raise up missionaries. We have a responsibility to raise up missionaries, to, to continue to look into our students, to, to, to allow them, help them, give them an, an environment to, to explore what God is desiring for them to do with their lives and, and to see them take that step to say, you know what, I think God's calling me to go into missions or to go into ministry. We need to continue to do that. Now, we have a long history of that as a church uh, that, to see that happen. But not just in our students. We've seen that happen with adults who, who recognize, hey, I, I think God's calling me to take a, a turn in my career, in my life, and to go a different direction. And, and, and man, when, when we see somebody do that, when a student makes that decision or an adult makes that decision to, to follow God in a ministry in that way, that ought to be something that we celebrate and we do here when people take that 
step. Again, going into the New Testament, we, we can see this example whenever we go over to First and Second Timothy. There, Paul's ta- talking to young Timothy, a young minister who's fixing to take off into, into ministry. And, and we know that others have already been pouring into him, preparing him, raising him up for, for what God is going to do in his life. Uh, and, and now Paul continues that, uh, to, that raising up as he writes these letters to young Timothy in preparation. But you come to Second Timothy chapter 4, and it's some of the very last words that, that Paul would speak to Timothy, whenever he says this, I charge you, he starts there, I charge you, some versions say, I solemnly charge you, I'm, a, I'm intense on this, I, I want you to grab hold of this, this is what you're to be about as you step into ministry, I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is the judge, uh, to, to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, here's what he's calling me to do, here's what I'm charging you to do, preach the word. And be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Young Timothy, you're going to go into ministry and you're going to go take the gospel and you're going to find opportunities to be able to share with others. And I, you need to be ready to preach wherever God puts you. And you need to be ready to, to, to reprove and rebuke and exhort, to, to raise others up, to speak into their life, to, to hold them accountable with patience. It takes patience in ministry and in, in, in missions, it takes patience. But in all of these things you do, continue to teach. Continue to teach Jesus. Continue to teach his truth. And so Paul, again, he continues to pour into to young Timothy's life, raising him up for what God is going to do through him. We need to be a, continue to be a church that's raising up. Others, some of our young people and others who God is wanting to use in a global way to share his gospel and take his good news out into the world. But not only are are we to raise them up, but we are to send out missionaries. Not just keep them here. Sometimes it's fun to raise them up and, and keep them on our team here and serving here. We love seeing that. But we also have to recognize the responsibility to send them out when God calls them to go. We need to celebrate that and send them. We need to be that kind of a church that is sending them out to wherever God might lead them to go. We see that over in Acts chapter 13. Whenever uh, we see the beginning of that chapter that the church is gathered, they're in a worship service, kind of like what we've had here this morning, and somehow, some way, God has impressed it upon the church that Barnabas and Paul are supposed to leave, supposed to be sent out to go on a missionary journey. We don't know what that looked like. We don't know if the audible voice of God spoke to the church, uh, but in one way or another, it was impressed upon them, hey, send these guys out. And you come to uh, verse 3 there in Acts chapter 13. It says this, then after fasting and praying, I I believe there's some time transpiring here, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. There it is. The church sent them off. And we're, we're to be that kind of a church. When, When God raises up somebody and says, hey, I'm sending them somewhere, we need to be a church that's ready to send them off. Yeah, we, we're here. Let's send you out. We've raised you up. Let's send you out to do what God's calling you to do. We, we see that happen in the early church. We continue to see that happen here today. Not only do we raise them up, not only do we send them out, we're not done yet. Well, now we are responsible to meet the needs of missionaries. Because needs arise, you know. 
And that can look like a lot of things. That can look like a a, a weekly, monthly salary. That can look like uh, taking care of specific needs, emergencies that might arise out on the field. We need to be a church that meets the needs of missionaries. We see this over in Philippians chapter 4 there where where Paul is is writing to the church in Philippi. And and, uh, he, he has a, you know he's got a soft place in his heart for the church in Philippi. But he says this in verses 15 and 16. He says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except only you. See why he's got a soft spot in his heart for them? Because no other church was doing it. Only the Philippian church was willing to step into partnership with him to to meet his needs. But he goes on. Except only you, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. It wasn't the first time that they sent him help. He says, once again, you did it. You've been there for me before. Now you've been there for me again. And he's appreciating that church and and loves this church because they're supporting him and honoring him in that way. A little bit of what you heard Rod say as he described first church for he and his family. We need to be a church that continues to meet the needs of our missionaries, our global partners as we send them out. Not just send them out there and say, good luck. <laughs> Hope everything works out. No, we want to be involved in their ministries. We want to be engaged in their ministries, and we want to support their ministries however we can. That's just one more way we can hold the rope. One example of that in this past year was uh, the Rileys, Jim and Terry Riley. Uh, you might remember if you were here last year at our Outreach Sunday, uh, Terry Riley was here with us, and I got to interview her and hear about what they were doing in, in Honduras. That's where their ministry is. They've been there for, for many years. But this past year, they had a, a, a need pop up, uh, really an emergency. They needed a new vehicle. Because if you've been in Honduras and you've been in the area where they are ministering, the roads there are treacherous. Uh, we've been, I've been up in the mountains with them before. And it is, it is a very treacherous uh, terrain that they have to travel on. And, and their vehicles were just beat up and they needed something new. And so we came alongside of them and, and gave them a gift to help them uh, uh, start getting this vehicle that they would need. And other partners also contributed. And, uh, and then later in the year, we were able, actually the beginning of this year, we were able to give them a more significant gift and just paid it off. Uh, so they could have this vehicle, this Land Cruiser that they needed. There's a picture of it there. You can see that, uh, that they could use to be able to continue to, to spread the gospel. Now, what they didn't know whenever they asked for this vehicle is that, number one, there would be a global pandemic come along, and then, number two, that they would be hit by two hurricanes within two weeks of each other. And so this vehicle became an important part of their ministry as they began to use it to, as you can see here, loading up all kinds of food that they would then take out into, uh, out into the mountains and out into the areas that were in desperate need of food. Matter of fact, that food was purchased through First Church, all right, as we contributed. There's one of the roads that they uh, travel on. That's a pretty typical road. All right, not uh, not blacktop like we have around here, but they would go out into the mountains and share that food, take that food to these families that so desperately need it. And you know what they took with them whenever they took the food? The gospel. They continued to share the love of Jesus with everybody they came in contact with. Matter of fact, as they finished up uh, uh, that 
outreach, and actually they're still in that outreach, but as uh, they got hit by one hurricane right before the second hurricane uh, hit, Jim had the opportunity uh, to baptize uh, this young man out in the river. And, uh, and so in, in, in the midst of pandemic, in the midst of hurricanes, they're still preaching the gospel. God is still changing lives. And we're a part of that because we continue to meet needs. Over 10% of our budget every year well, over $200,000 a year goes out of, from First Church to go help our global partners to meet the needs so that they can continue to share the love of Jesus around this world. And it's exciting to be a part of that. Again, that's one more way we hold the rope. But there's also one more way that I want to end on here today. We've got to be a church that prays diligently for our missionaries. We are called to pray diligently for our missionaries. I think we, we see this. Paul uh, explains this a little bit over in Romans chapter 15, what this, what this prayer looks like that we're supposed to, to be about for our missionaries. When he is writing to the church in Rome, this church that he so desperately wanted to go to, wanted to be a part of. He knew that where he was at, he was in Corinth most, most likely at the time of the writing of this, and he knew he was heading to Jerusalem. It had already been revealed to him that when he gets to Jerusalem, it's going to end up, he's going to be bound, and he's going to be imprisoned. And so he's, he's uh, discouraged, he's in need, and here's his letter to, here's what he has to say to those in Rome when he says this in verse 30 of Romans 15. I appeal to you. Right? I appeal to you, appeal, strong word, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that, my, that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. He says there, strive together with me. Other versions say, join with me in the struggle. Literally, it means fight alongside of me. We need to be a church that is willing to fight on our knees for our global partners. That we be willing to pray for them ongoing prayer. Not just one time of year when we have Outreach Sunday. But that that would be a part of our regular prayer as a church, as, as church uh, partners, as we each one partner with them. We want to be praying for them. That's why when you came in today, you should have found prayer cards in, in your seat or around your seat. And here's what I'm encouraging you, encouraging you to do. Take those with you. Put them on your refrigerator. Put them on your mirror. And pray for our partners who are out there around the world. You don't know them, most likely. You don't know all their needs, but God does. And we want to lift them up and bring them before the throne every day. We need to be doing that. So I ask you to pray for them. If you're online with us today and you go to our online hub, there you'll find a link where you can get a PDF version of this and download that and you can have that and pray for them. That together we can be praying for our partners and fighting alongside of them as they face whatever they might face out in this world as they continue to take the gospel and continue to see lives changed. Listen, church, we've been called to hold the rope. To raise them up, send them out, meet their needs, and diligently fight for them on our knees in prayer. That's what we've been called to do. And church, that's what I'm calling you to do. To join with us in that. To be a part of it with us. 
Again, there's lots of stories about how we've been able to come alongside of our partners throughout this year and, and been able to, to, to serve with them or to serve them in some ways. Uh, you know here at First Church, because of COVID, we had to shut down our, our Stone Canyon campus, which, we were, uh, which is very unfortunate. But uh, our, our, one of our partners, Movement Christian Church up in Manchester, uh, New Hampshire, where Josh Adson and, and Aaron Rathbone and others are at, uh, you know, we had some extra campus gear <laughs> and an extra trailer. And we called them up and said, hey, uh, would you guys want some campus gear for the campus you're going to be launching here before too long? And uh, if you know Josh, you know, he's a little animated and he said, yeah, you know, so, so what do we do? We loaded it up, hooked it up to a U-Haul and sent it up there to them. Uh, thousands of dollars of gear that, that they, that'll hopefully bless them and be a part of what they're doing there. Uh, we have other missionaries in an undisclosed location. We can't even tell you where they're at because, uh, and we don't share their names because uh, um, of just the government and, and uh, possible persecution, but, but because of uh, COVID and the lockdown, the people that they work with are on the bottom rung of the social ladder, and so food was hard for them to come by, and so we sent an extra gift of, of money, a financial gift, so that they could buy food to, to minister to those that they're reaching out to, and uh, they've, they've just been blown away with the response as they've been able to just love like Jesus where they're at. They've also developed a way to... Uh, uh, help that the people they're working with with uh, uh, basic hygiene, creating hand washing stations that they just don't have because the area they're in is just a dirty area, and so they've they've created a way to do that. Again, one more way that they've been able to minister. Okay, uh, there there's so many stories I'd love to share with you about how this church, First Church, continues to hold the rope in so many ways for our global partners. So I I want to encourage you to to join with us in holding the rope. Continue to give as we meet needs through that way. But more than anything, continue to pray for those who are out on the front lines, serving, taking the gospel, and shining the light of Jesus into a dark, dark world. We're blessed here at First Church. We're blessed to be a part of, of a ministry that has a long history of uh, being involved in missions and global outreach. And we're here to tell you, we're not done. That's who we are, that's in our DNA, and it will continue to be in our DNA. As we want to continue to see the name of Jesus proclaimed around the world until he comes again. And we want you to know you're a part of that. You are partnering with us, and we thank you. Let's not stop. Let's keep holding the rope. Father in heaven, we, we thank you for what you continue to do uh, through First Church, through this ministry. We thank you for what you continue to do through our global partners that are scattered around the world in so many places. And so God, we pray that you would continue to do a great thing in them and through them as they serve you and shine your light into this world. God, we pray that you would meet their needs. God, as they face all kinds of challenges and all kinds of obstacles in this world, God, may you clear a path. May you provide for them. May you bless them. May, may your hand be upon them. May your spirit move in them and through them as they take your gospel message into this world. And God, we thank you for allowing us to be a part of it, a part of what you're doing, not just here in Owasso. We thank you for what you're doing here. 
But God, we thank you that we get to be a part of your global mission of building your kingdom and changing the world. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.